Welcome to Time After Time, a non-sponsored, highly judgmental podcast about time travel and love and friendship and the movies that bring them together into our living rooms. I'm Helena and I'm Paige. And maybe in an alternate timeline, you've already listened to this podcast and you loved it. Let's go. What up, time sluts? We here. We are here. And here is uh, now Paige's apartment because yeah. it was pretty echoey last time. So we apologize for the sound quality from last week. Helena's apartment is just too cat. Canav. What's the. Cavernous. Cavernous. Yes. It's, it's just absolutely cavernous and uh, it just creates tons of echoes. So. Yeah. Yeah, the options were either my closet, which Paige did not want to sit in for some reason. I don't really understand why. You know what? Sometimes you get to be 27 and you're like, my closet days are over. That's fair. Um, Anyway, she didn't want to get in there. So here we are at Paige's apartment. Um, Just to give you like a little visual of uh, what's happening, since I know this is not a visual medium. Yeah, also, you guys can all definitely visualize my apartment, because... I just feel like we need to give them, like, like the setting, you know? It's like... Right, but no one's seen what my apartment looks like. Uh, yeah, but, like, they can imagine in their minds what my apartment versus your apartment looks like. Helena's apartment looks like a grandmother lives there. Yep. And my apartment looks like, like a... Um, like a child lives there. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah. Or like, like, um, the fixer upper couple decorated it and then I came in with some tchotchkes. Or their children came in with their tchotchkes. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, now you know. Glad you have that information. Got a lot of tchotchkes and I have three squirtle terrariums. Yeah. So. It's, it's good stuff. And two dogs and a husband sequestered into a bedroom. Yeah. They very kindly sequestered themselves. Yeah. All right. So this week... We are doing the first of our Hallmark movies called A A Timeless Timeless Christmas. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. Time is right in the name. Yeah. And Christmas is. So it's a it's a Christmas movie. Yeah. Last week we were a little disappointed by the uh, lack of Christmas themes. So this week we decided to go all in. A Timeless Mm -hmm. Christmas. This movie actually premiered like this week. So we're trying to be... uh, Timely. Wow. Uh, did you like that one? Au courant. Yes. Au courant. Avant garde. Um, and uh, yeah, we had to wait a little while to watch it. Uh, we, we had to like cramp our schedule a little bit to yeah. make sure that we could watch this one. But we did it. Mm-hmm. Um, you can find it on probably all of the Hallmark Channel's uh, various streaming platforms if you if you feel so moved. Yeah, and just, yeah, well, I'll jump ahead a little bit and say, yeah, because it came out uh, less than a week ago, and also um, Hallmark movies are not, like, notoriously fun fact production heavy. We're going to slip, <laughs> we're going to skip Blast from the Past this week, because there's no past to blast back to. It's true. No, there is no past to blast back to, and it's, uh, you don't know any of the, the people in it, unless you're a big fan of General Hospital or the Power Rangers. Power Rangers. Uh, shall we give them the plot summary? Sure. And guys, Helena wrote the plot summary this I week. wrote the plot summary this week. You may notice a tonal shift. It's brilliant. And I think it's the tone that we will be shifting towards from now on. Well, I, I just want to give a disclaimer here. Um, 
there was no like extended plot summary for me to work from. So I wasn't, I was just kind of going from memory. So a lot of this is like a little off the cuff. And if I got some of it wrong, I do apologize. I have a notoriously poor memory. But I have a notoriously good memory and I read it and I agree with her sequence of events. All right. So hopefully between the two of us, we've managed it. Yeah. And if not, go waste two hours of your life and watch this. Yeah, there you go. All right. Are we ready? Take it away, Paige. We open in an auction house in 1903, where handsome rich guy Charles Whitley, played by a hot general hospital actor named Ryan Pavey, Pavy, don't know, don't care, is embroiled in a bidding war for 1903's hottest tchotchke, a broken Christmas-themed clock. For some reason, he and his biggest business rival, Harold Moran, really want this tacky-ass clock, but our hero Charles wins the day and brings it home to his upstate New York mansion. At the mansion, he chats with his servants, who invite him to their annual Christmas party. But he's like, bah humbug, I never go to the Christmas party. I'm a moody adult orphan. His fiancée, Eliza, is also there, and she expresses disappointment that he never wants to hang out with her. Just work, work, work. He assures her that he loves her very much, but that he won't be traipsing off to any parties in Manhattan anytime soon. She is sad and leaves. Later that evening, he is in his study tinkering with his new Christmas clock, which it turns out is a gift for Eliza. What every girl wants. (laughs) When his beloved maid Rosie brings him a nightcap, they chat out something or other to establish that she cares about him and that he's closed off from love and that he is always looking towards the future instead of staying in the moment. They slip the word time into the conversation at least every other sentence to alert us that this is about to be a time travel movie. Rosie leaves and he winds up the clock. Suddenly, the world spins around him and he passes out on the floor. We cut to the same mansion in 2020, where museum director and PhD haver Megan Turner, played by former Pink Power Ranger Aaron Cahill, is giving a tour of the Whitley Manor. The shtick is part historical tour, part immersive theater. There are other actors playing Eliza, the fiancé, and the butler, whose name I forget. Suddenly, Charles appears at the top of the stairs. He's all, what are you people doing in my house? Not realizing that he has, in fact, time traveled. The tour guests think this is highly amusing and behave exactly like real people would and immediately start filming him with their phones. Megan just goes with it, thinking maybe he's an actor that's been sent by the agency to play Charles Whitley. What a mix-up! Everyone is confused, but also kind of goes with it, including Charles, who is weirdly calm about stuff like cars, iPhones, and tourists in his house. During the course of the tour slash performance, we discover that Charles Whitley mysteriously disappeared in 1903 and was never seen again. Hmm. Once the tourists leave, Charles and Megan finally get a chance to talk, and Megan is like, okay, this dude is super method, I am calling the police, which is what always should be done when people are trying to method act, even though we don't support the police. The sheriff comes and is also weirdly calm about the whole situation. As Charles weirdly, calmly, gets into the squad car to go down to the station, Megan notices a distinctive scar on his hand, the exact one that Charles Whitley had. OMG! He also tells her about his favorite hiding spot under the floorboards in the study. Uh, that is where she goes next, and she finds his old journals there, and, he, and she realizes that it must be true. He time-traveled. Everything makes sense now. She races down to the station, explains that it's all been a misunderstanding, and the sheriff, also in a weird, calm way, releases Charles. Then, I don't know, a bunch of random boring stuff happens in an order I don't really remember. They go Christmas shopping like four times. She introduces him to her parents and her mom is like, 
oh my God, he's the one. They eat pizza and he's like, whoa, what is this? Even though pizza was already popular in New York in 1903. He weirdly calmly agrees to play himself in the immersive play slash tour for the rest of the holiday season because he needs modern money, I guess. There's a very boring and depressing subplot about the other two actors in the Christmas play. Oh, and also Megan is related to Charles's maid, Rosie, which is supposed to explain why she's been obsessed with him. He is pretty much unfazed by the whole being in the future thing until he discovers that when he disappeared, his assets were liquidated. Apparently, this is what makes him realize that he should get back to his own time. Megan pouts, but agrees to help him. They try to find that tacky Christmas clock, but again, his assets were mostly liquidated, so they can't. Megan takes him to her family's Christmas party, and they kind of smirk at each other across the party a whole bunch. This family fucking loves Charles Whitley, since their ancestor was employed by him, so I guess they all know his whole history. Someone lets slip that after Charles disappeared, his fiancée Eliza married Harold Moran, his old rival. Oh my god. Charles is devastated by this news and runs to a park where he meets a wise old man decorating a Christmas tree. They talk about how he used to work for Harold Moran, and he was actually a good dude, and uh, then he feels better, I guess. Anyway, Megan is interviewing for a new job at the university when she spots the old Christmas clock on display, and she's like, oh my god. She asks the secretary if she can borrow it, and apparently the secretary has the power to lend it to anyone who wanders into the building, because in the next scene, Megan gives it to Charles to say that she's sorry for not telling him about Eliza sooner. He's like, cool, 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 sorry for being a whiny baby, and all is forgiven. It's Christmas Eve, the night of the big party at the museum, and also the night of the quote-unquote Christmas moon, which apparently means that time travel is possible. Charles gives a speech about something at the big party, like love and, and Christmas. I don't know. We weren't really listening. And then he dances with the reenactment actress playing Eliza, but makes eyes at Megan the whole time. At some point in the party, he disappears from the crowd, and Megan is like, oh no, he left for 1903 without saying goodbye, and she runs to his study to be sad. But then he walks in, and he's like, JK, I love you. I'm staying here forever. Let's kiss now. And they do. The movie ends with them dancing in the ballroom surrounded by lots of bored-looking extras. The end! So now we'll go straight to a part that we like to call... Magic. Science. Just a dream. Ooh, I like that one. Thank you. So this, um, I guess, is like Christmas. It's magic, and it's also like Christmas magic. It's this. It's the spirit of love and Christmas, and and also a tacky clock. Yes, the clock says is engraved and says something like, uh, "Wine me at the Christmas moon. True love will find you soon." Or oh, something like that. I think that is what it said actually. Oh my gosh, I think that's See, an exact quote. <laughs> I have a good memory. I have many bad qualities. I could never have told you that. Not in 1,000 years. Uh, so, first of all, let, we at the very end of the... Not very end. Towards the end of the movie, we find out that a Christmas moon is supposedly a blue moon in December. So, a blue moon, a blue moon is the second time that there's a full moon in a month. So, we actually just had one. Uh, on Halloween, it was a blue moon. It was a spooky Christmas moon. I mean, a spooky blue moon. Yes, it was a spooky blue moon. We love all things spooky, so into that. So like I said, so it's just a blue moon in December. However, (laughs) Charles Whitley disappears on December 18th of 1903. So the, the Christmas moon was December 18th, which means that there was a second blue moon in December by the 18th, which feels 
wrong? Yeah, well, it, it doesn't work for either of the days because they, they have it. He time travels on December 18th and December 24th. Well, he doesn't actually time travel on December 24th. Oh, but he could. But that's the day that they realize that he could go back. So either of those dates don't work for a blue moon. Right. It would have to be on like the 29th to the 30th. Either one of those days could be a blue moon, but not during, not before Christmas. Yeah. I mean, you can correct us if we're wrong, science loving nerd time sluts. But I don't think we are, so. No, we definitely aren't. That's how the moon works. Yes. I don't think. They tried to, they tried to make us think that that's not how the moon works, but we know how the moon works. Yeah. Christmas magic cannot alter how the moon works. Just time travel. (laughs) We we can buy, we can buy that the Christmas moon makes you time travel, but we cannot buy that it was December 18th. Uh, that's us, Mr. Consistency. Yeah. So anyway, so yeah, so that's the whole thing is he like twists it on the, uh, he twists it on the night of the Christmas moon and then he is travels forward in time because, you know, allegedly to meet his true love as is kind of decided by the end of the movie. So that kind of raises the question for me, is it Christmas magic or is it love magic? I mean, you know, aren't they just- <laughs> What? <laughs> response you've ever given on this podcast i just think they're like they're one in the same right christmas is love love is christmas that's true i guess it, it is like a very hallmark response like right christmas and love are together right um i understand why they had to it's put christmas the- and christmas is the time to tell the truth right <laughs> all these things about christmas that you never knew right um yeah well in any christmas movie the two people have to get together on Christmas Eve. Like, that's always the formula. So I guess I understand why they had to move the Christmas moon and make us think that we don't know how the moon works. But uh, I I don't know. I feel like maybe they should have used a different... The the formula of the Hallmark movie is not allowed to change, but I do think they could have changed the moon part. Yeah. If they have to fit it into that formula, why use the moon? Right. If... you're, you know... Just make it a Christmas Eve thing. Make yeah. it, like, the night before Christmas Eve. Your but then how would he... Your sleeve. He needs... <laughs> you know? He needs the time to fall in love with her, though. And, right, but... Who, no and the potential of needing to go back. Right, but that doesn't mean... Even if that... If, if he time-traveled on Christmas Eve, that doesn't necessarily mean, like, that he he could still get there on December 18th, 2020. Yeah, it's true. Or get- 2019. We, I'm, I'm guessing that this movie is supposed to be set in 2019. No one ever says the year, but no one is wearing masks. Yeah, it's really funny. There's a moment when he's like, what year is it? And they're like, they just <laughs> no like stare at each other. I, I know, but like I was trying to communicate how like they avoid saying the year, even though he directly right. asked the question. So one of them says like, what year do you think it is? Yeah, literally. <laughs> Which is a question both for uh, Charles Whitley and the audience. Yeah, actually, that's true. My theory is that, like, this is uh, Hallmark movies. They're just literally, like, um, with a Hallmark movie, they just, like, film 150 of them. Mm -hmm. And they release them at will. Like, it doesn't matter when they release them. So uh, they are not committing to a year. Right. But like I said, I have to believe that this is... We, I know we said 2020 in the summary, but there is no mention of COVID, so... 
We have to assume. We have to assume. This is, I think Hallmark movies exist in a world without global pandemics. That's nice. Yeah. They, I'm sure they exist in a world without a lot of things. Yeah, like logic. Like, yeah, logic, politics. Disease, death. Yeah, they do have iPhones, though. They definitely have iPhones that people will take out no matter what's happening. Like, even if what's happening is not interesting and people will immediately start filming you. Yeah, people are filming the entire tour all the time, which I'm just like, that's not how people work, but... Yeah, it's very unsettling. I think maybe one extra made that choice and then everyone was like, that's the choice I'm going to make. Yeah. Uh, But anyway, but back to the the hows and the whys. I think, we, you know, why, love, Christmas, true love, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. How, moon, clock, blah, blah, blah. I do appreciate it's, we don't have to worry about any sort of messy, like, double timelines or anything because he just straight up disappears from the room that he winds this clock in and is never seen or heard from again. Yeah, I mean, well, that led me to believe, like, at the beginning of the movie, I was like, oh, he's going to stay with her. Yeah. We're not going to do a Kate and Leopold here, even though she's very obsessed with him. Right. Um, I thought for a while I was like, maybe they go back. But then I was like, no, because then we would know more about him or like things would change. Right. That would change. So we don't have to worry about like past timelines or timelines getting intertwined because he literally just disappears from 1903, shows up in 2019 and um, and that's it. He just moves and we never have to worry about any sort of intersecting or pretzel timelines. Yeah, which I think that makes sense. If you're going to be a Hallmark movie, uh, not spending a lot of time on the mechanics of time travel is probably the right choice. Yeah. I will also say, like, they t- I mean, we talk about this more in the romance section, but it's very heavy on, like, the... It's fine that he is now existing in a world that he knows nothing about and everyone he loves has died. Yeah, there is this one <laughs> fabulous moment where he uh, realizes that he's in... 2019 or whatever and everyone he has ever known is dead and like the light goes out of his eyes it's my favorite acting moment in the whole movie I think yeah I mean a movie full of full of wild acting choices I mean I thought that was legitimately a good acting moment because I was like holy shit he just realized this yeah and and it's actually affecting him and that's not it's not meant to affect him in this Hallmark movie like we don't want (laughs) to dwell on that but like that would be a huge deal yeah although I guess like he's an you know he's an orphan yeah, he doesn't have a whole lot to live for in 1903, except, except that he's, like, a big inventor, and he's, like, making things. Like, he could go back and make a bunch of more things. Yeah, he could. He, he could have cured cancer if he wasn't so selfish and, like, Megan wasn't so selfish. How do you know he was able to cure cancer? Wasn't he, like, an engineer? I'm just saying, you know, that's the ex- go-to example. He maybe <laughs> could have come up with a more effective subway system yeah. that didn't catch fire. But that's not what happened, because he disappeared from 1903 and was never seen again. Yeah. All right. So... I think we covered it. Yep. This brings us to... What have you done? So, this is where we talk about consistency, potholes, and maybe a little bit of uh, time travel ethics. I would say the biggest uh, consistency issue, which shouldn't have been shocking, is... um, in 1903, their makeup and hair is super modern. They <laughs> they, they have no sort of, like, old-timey accents. The actors playing them in 2019 sound more old-timey than 
the actual people yeah. in 1903. No effort at all is made to even give a nod to the fact that yeah. diction might have been had different standards back then. And then, like like Helena said, we were constantly Googling, like, did this exist in 1903? Because he was very confused about, like, pizza and cookies and... <laughs> Like, certain... But not, like, modern cars. He was like, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Right. Or, like, he was saw a microwave, and he was like, did this heat this up with radiation? I was like, how would you know that? <laughs> but he could not understand inflation. Yeah, no. He was like, wait, this pizza costs $23? And it was like... What did he say? He said, that's modern... It's highway robbery. It's highway robbery. He, and he immediately also understands up. the internet. He's like, oh, yes, it's like... It's a series what? of tubes. <laughs> he's, like, it's, he's like, it's like roads. Which, her explanation for the internet is also very confusing. But also, I mean, and I think it helps that they made him, like, this genius inventor. Because he, like, understands concepts very quickly, which is, like, which is fine. But he's just so calm about it. He's just like, oh, I'm in the future now. How does this microwave work? Yeah. It's... Uh, Really, it it is upsetting because we don't get the, like, one of the fun parts of time travel movies when they make a huge jump into the mm-hmm. future or the past is, like, them grappling with the new things and not knowing how to use them and being, like, uh, you know, dumb about it. Right. I think that's so much fun. Right. And here we got, we still had to, like, watch him be like, what are these people doing in my house? But he also was immediately like, oh, I understand how, like, all this stuff works. Yeah, he's immediately very competent, and I wanted to see him, like, really have a time. Yeah. He, um, some dumb things he says, though, when he does it, when he sees the people, or he, I don't know, when he's confused about something, he says, what the deuce? What the deuce? Which I have never heard before, and I don't think is a real expression. <laughs> I love that they threw it in, though. It was one of the only expressions that they actually threw in there. And then when he comes downstairs and sees that the house has been, like, very decorated for Christmas, which I guess it wasn't when he left, because I guess it was only the 18th, um, he says, I did not authorize this expenditure. Yeah, he does, but you no, are but doing, not in that accent. Yeah, I was going to say, you're doing he a says, far more convincing. He says, yo, I did not authorize this expenditure. Yeah, fucks. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> how he says it. Also, um, he has five o'clock shadow, yes. like, the whole time. And it's very confusing, because that's definitely not what the style was. Like, he's very no. handsome. And he looks great with his five o'clock shadow. Like, I'm very into it, but, like, that's not for sure not what he would have looked like. And he would have, if he had facial hair, it would have been, like, mutton chops or something. Yeah, I mean... There's lots of options for, like, old-timey facial hair, but it definitely wasn't scruff. He also, um, when, like, when he first arrives, uh, the actress playing Eliza walks up to him like, oh, Charles, hi. And she, like, touches his arm or something, and he's like, you're so forward! And, like, runs away. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, men and women. And then at some point later, uh, Megan's showing him to his room, and he's like oh, we can't be alone in a room together. But then there's this, like, they have a moment where, like, at her uh, parents' house, he wins some stupid game, and immediately his instinct is to, like, run, hug her, and, like, pick her up off the ground. And then they have a moment of, like, oh, what just happened? But it's, like, that would not be his instinct if he had been grown, like, for 33 years it had been impressed into him, repressed your sexual urges or press your desire to t- to touch women. Like. Yeah, or there would have been a moment after that where he was like, oh my gosh, I'm changing. You know what yeah. I mean? 
Or he would have gotten into bed fully clothed in his subway pants like <laughs> Hugh Grant. Not Hugh Grant. Hugh Jackson? No. Hugh Jackman? Jackman. Hugh Jackman. Oh, yeah. yeah. They're the same. Yeah, I mean, Christmas movie-wise. I mean, might yeah. as well be. Um. Anyway, you knew what I meant. Yeah, that was a Kate and Leopold reference. A, a Kate and Leopold reference. This this movie is really trying hard to be Kate and Leopold, and I appreciate that. Like, I, I do want to continually watch that movie, so... Yeah, I mean, it's trying to be Kate and Leopold. It's not doing a good job, and also, like, Kate and Leopold is not really a high bar... No, it, the bar is very so. low, and they're still not making it. But it is a Hallmark movie, so right. like but your expectations is, can't be too but high. But it would have taken. I mean, but it's still written by human beings who could have spent. <laughs> is it though? Because I think some Hallmark movies are just like written by a computer. <laughs> but even then, the computer could have spent the five minutes googling. Did they have pizza in <laughs> that we did? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's fair. Which yeah, um, and. Uh, yeah, just uh, so a lot of a lot of consistency considering that they made the time mechanics so easy and foolproof. Yeah, they went really easy on themselves and they still didn't quite make it. Also, like we said, they're the people in the background just aren't acting like people. They're not they're filming all the time. There's also our favorite moment in the whole movie <laughs> is at the very end at this big party, there's a band in the background. And if you look at the female guitarist on stage, um, she has literally never held a guitar before. Not is, not a single guitar. No. <laughs> definitely not playing guitar. So it's like now. she might as well be holding a pair of fish in her hands. <laughs> I swear to God. Uh, so if you are like, I don't really want to watch this movie, but I want to see that, just skip ahead to like the last scene. Also, as we said in the summary... This big clock moment, this random, like, receptionist at the college who's just getting Megan for her interview is allowed to just give away this very expensive clock that's been donated to the university. I mean, I, my one explanation for that is that Megan is, like, the curator of the Charles Whitley Museum. Oh, that's, okay, that's fair. Um, So she might have some pull, but at the same time, I feel like she wouldn't, like, that same day be able to just, like, walk off with it. Yeah. I feel like there might be some, like, oversight by the board. Also, it's Christmas Eve and she's having this interview. Yeah. Why are they still there? I don't know. I would be like, we'll talk to you after break, bitch. Yeah. (laughs) Also, can we talk about our actor couple? The, oh, do we have to? The holes. The holes in that little subplot. I I really just want to say that this subplot was very depressing to me as an actor because I've worked like holiday jobs. I've also worked tour guide jobs. Uh, I've worked immersive theater jobs. And the whole thing just like made me very sad because they were being kind of uh, somewhat accurate about the experience of that. And yeah. they didn't have to do that. Well, but also you said, you were like, that seems like a great gig. These actors yeah. should be happier with their gig. Well, okay, here's the thing. is At the beginning, I was like, this seems like a really good gig. Like, I bet it's pretty well paid. I bet it's it seems really steady. They've been coming back for years. Megan seems like a great boss. Like, why are these bitches complaining? Like, this is, this is good work. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, like, as time wore on, I began, and they, like, unfortunately delved more into these actors' lives, um, I just became more and more depressed because I was like, oh, they know that, like, they they feel that they've hit a dead end and, like, they're being very clear that this is a dead end for these two actors. Um, so, also, to clarify, so there's, there's the actor that plays Eliza and the actor that plays the butler 
the actress that plays Liza and the actor that plays the butler are married, which is a, an inconsistency in itself because she is so much hotter. Oh my God, so much hotter. It's wild. <laughs> um, and and he's, he's not even charismatic or anything. No. And at one point it comes up that uh, she went to Juilliard. Yeah, really worried about that whole situation. Um, and then also she, but she gets, but she gets a call at the party on the night of Christmas Eve. Yep, yep. The casting uh, directors are working overtime. Um, that she's going to be in some production of Taming of the Shrew. It might have been Broadway calling. We're we, not sure. We did kind of. We couldn't, we like didn't hear the exact line she said when she was telling Charles about it and we can't we couldn't we were watching it on demand and we couldn't rewind or fast forward yeah so we were yeah but it might have been Broadway calling I, on Christmas Eve you know what in my in my mind it was Broadway calling um Merry Christmas which and we can talk about this in the romance parts too. romance part too but they tried to like make it seem like it was fine that their careers had hit dead ends because they we're in love, and Charles says to the husband, like, it doesn't matter what you're doing as long as you're with the person you love or something. And I'm like, again, we talked about this last week, or two we talked about this last episode. You're allowed to have more ambitions than just being with the person you love. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> like, that can be great. And, like, it, it does sound nice. It, in some ways, like, the two of them getting to work together every year at Christmas in this job that honestly probably pays pretty well uh is nice and like that's good but if they have other ambitions and feel dissatisfied in their career I can fully understand that and they should be allowed to like legitimately have those feelings yes also it's weird that they're they keep talking to him about it and like don't seem to really talk to each other about it yeah I mean it seems like they both want to like make a different decision next year I don't know I for me this subplot was terribly depressing and I really (laughs) wish they hadn't included it Great. The other thing that uh, is weird is that uh, they turned his house like into a museum immediately. The the thing that I don't get, the other thing that I don't get is that um, there's all this like obsession over Charles Whitley, like in general. It seems like the town is obsessed with him and like Megan's obsessed with him. She did her PhD on him for some reason. And he seems like a pretty insignificant historical figure. And I just don't understand why everybody is like making him so significant. I mean, I think, first of all, it's, like, a small town in the middle of somewhere, you know? Okay. It's never specified. I think it's, you know, everyone has those, like, small town... Heroes? Heroes. I guess. I don't know. It just felt a little unbelievable to me that everyone would be like, we have to go to the Whitley Manor. Yeah, I think it's more... The Whitley Museum. I think it's more, like, like you said, like, a Christmas thing. There's carolers outside. I think it's, like, a seasonal thing. Um, and also just, I think part of the reason he's so famous probably is because he disappeared for no reason at 33. Um, yeah, but it doesn't seem like that's what the fascination is with him. Everyone's just like, yep. <laughs> he also, I mean, apparently he invented some steel mill bullshit. That's so boring. Like, people would not be interested in that. They'd be like, I don't care. Um, so I'm going to say it's it's the the Christmas thing but yeah it's, it's also it's not fleshed out also you can't just do your phd on like a person you have to have a very uh like your dissertation is usually revolves around like a very like a statist- theory like a theory or like a statistical Research. heavy question yeah no her dissertation was just charles whitley <laughs> did he or didn't he he did he did 
<laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, let's move on. Okay. Does, Does their, their love stand the test of time? time? Um, <laughs> I mean, it's it's cute. It's okay. So here's my my biggest issue with it, which you know comes up every couple movies. It seems is the creep factor of the fact that. I mean, I think you know it's played off as less creepy because I don't know she's a woman and also he doesn't seem creeped out, but like. She knows literally everything about him. She did her PhD on him. Yeah, it's a bit weird. Um, I, I, w- I sort of wish they had delved a little bit more into that. I think it could have been interesting territory and a lot of fun. I, I think the thing about this movie is they miss so many opportunities for fun. Yeah. Like, the romance between them is fine, but I would have believed it and enjoyed it a lot more if there were, like, more fun moments. Like... We see her, like, tell him this is a computer, but wouldn't it be more fun if she had to, like, teach him how to use a computer? Yeah, that would be great. Or, uh, there's, there was clearly a scene that was cut where she takes him to, like, buy new clothes, and they walk out of the shop, and he's, like, wearing new clothes. Dungarees. He's wearing dungarees. He's very concerned about the dungarees. And, um... It would have been great to, like, watch... I wanted, like, a, a makeover montage. Like, stuff like yes. that is, like, for me, what establishes a romance in a romantic comedy. And in this case, I just felt like we didn't really right. get any of those moments. We just got a lot of them, like, walking around the town talking, which is boring. Yeah. I mean, I always like to see, you know, some sort of chat, right? Like, I, I do, you know, I appreciate when it's... they They clearly, like can talk to each other but yeah but we need a a combo also like we have the classic we're standing under mistletoe and then they just walk away because in a hallmark movie you're not allowed to kiss until christmas eve okay you can't kiss you also you're not allowed to use tongue no tongue or touch bodies (laughs) um the yeah i mean it's also obviously it's the classic i mean you know we dealt with this in kate and lee pulled too it's it's a lot of pressure to put on her for him to be like, I am staying here forever, apart from everything I've ever known, <laughs> with nobody ex- that I know or like except for you. Yeah, I would would not want to be saddled with that, personally. Right. That would he, not be my choice. I will partner. say the movie uh, surprised me because they did at least sort of address that. They, um, When he's telling her he's staying, he also says he wouldn't want to go back and disrupt Eliza and Harold's happiness because it seems like they had a great life together. Yeah, I I did like that. And also, that was some growth. Yeah, the cute, they have a a cute moment where um, they're like slow dancing at the very end and he says, like, let's take it one step at a time. What are you doing New Year's Eve? Yeah, that's very cute. A little too modern, but fair enough. Yeah, that's true. He doesn't, he just knows, he knows the, the modern. Yeah, he just, like, knows that song. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know if he knows that song, but yeah, it's just, like, everything he says is just, like, that's not how you would speak. Whatever. Yeah, so it's it's cute enough, and I do like that they established some reason for him not going back besides just, I want to be with you. I don't love that she seems to be, like, pouty about the fact that he wants to go back in the middle of the movie, because it's, it's like, again, again everyone he's ever loved. Right. And also, yeah, like I said, he is an inventor and seems very invested in his work. And what's he going to, like, now he doesn't know how any of the inventions or technology. What is he going to do besides just play himself in this reenactment? I mean, that, it's not very satisfying to those actors. So I don't know why he thinks that's going to work for him. Right. And clearly he, like, loves inventing things. He just, like, 
he likes working on tinkering well maybe he will have a different perspective on lots of things because his upbringing is different have a different way of looking at things and be able to make some uh invention that no one would have put together with his 1903 way of thinking about things and modern technology together maybe i mean and he does the beginning of it he's always like i'm always looking towards the future which you know is beating us over the head with it but so i hope that he enjoys the future for reasons other than her because otherwise it's a lot to put on her i hope he finds a way to like maybe he'll go like manage the steel mill or something maybe that'd be fun for him I don't know. I think he he's a pretty smart, pretty adaptable guy. I think he'll be fine in the future. But the weird part is he doesn't seem fascinated by the future, which no would be uh, something that would be interesting to watch. He's just kind of like cool the future. Yeah, he his the writing of him understanding everything right away because he's so smart. He could have been I get this and also be like that's cool that yeah. he invented that like <laughs> right he right he has to just be stoic about it instead he's like he's yes i understand yes radiation um and then also like i we talked a little bit about before the whole theme of like it doesn't matter where you end up as long as you're with the person you love is just a theme that we fundamentally disagree with or i at least i won't speak for you i fundamentally disagree with i think it's important to be with the person you love it's important to like to if that again if that's important to you if that's important but also it's also important to, like, be satisfied by the other aspects of your life. Yeah. I mean, I am famously single, so obviously, like, I know there's more to life than being with the one you love, but in the context of a romantic comedy, you know I love a fate movie. And this definitely falls into that category. Yes. But I'm famously not single. And <laughs> I, again, like, I think, and Liam would agree with me, I'm sure. I think we are allowed to want other things besides just being together. Like, totally. And that's a, a romantic comedy trope that uh, is pretty toxic when applied right. to the real world. Right. It's like if Liam was like, hey, move to the middle of Kentucky with me in a cabin, just us, and give up your law career, it would not matter to me that I was with the person I loved. No. No, that I would tell you not to do that. Right. So, <laughs> yeah, so the romance is cute. It's not my favorite romance. Yeah, it's fine. It's very Hallmark, Hallmark surface level. It's it's exactly what you'd expect. He is very hot. He's very hot. She's pretty. It's devoid of any like real sexual chemistry because uh, sex does not exist in Hallmark world. Yep. Cool. Shall we go on to ladies? Did we just time travel back to the 1950s? Or, you know, 1903. <laughs> um, this is kind of fine. I don't know. She yeah. has a PhD. She's, like, living her life. Yeah. She we, has goals. She's she's going for them. We only have, like, a couple moments of, like, like, he kiss, when he meets her parents, he kisses her mom's hand. And he's like, she's like, oh, what a charmer. Which is, you know, a very, as far as, like, chivalry is great moments is pretty tame. Yeah. I was impressed I mean, we didn't have more, like, chivalry. I would be like, that's a weird thing to do. Yeah. But also, like, she was charmed by it, so whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah, and like you said, he doesn't seem put off. He That's another weird thing, is, like, again, women in his time would never have been getting PhDs. Yeah, he doesn't like, even comment on the fact that she has a PhD. Or is, like, the director of the museum is, like, a boss. Like, right. He just accepts that. Let's it wash over him, which again is great for our feminism, but 
weird, inconsistent for someone from 1903. Yeah. Um, I will say, I think we have, like, the most diverse cast we've had so far. Absolutely. Yeah, thank you, Homer. All the actor, all the reenactment people that aren't Megan are people of color. The, the couple we see, they're both people of color. Her assistant is a person of color. Um, yeah, they all have lines and names. I don't remember their names. Yeah. But, like, they have them. The sheriff in the town is black, which, like could just go down that rabbit hole. Uh, let's not for now. <laughs> I mean, both main people are still white. Uh, yeah, which, not great, but Hallmark. But yeah, but I mean, also, that's another thing, is he doesn't seem at all put off by the fact that, like, this woman playing his fiance is a person of color, maybe half black, maybe Hispanic. It's, it's not clear. We don't need to pass judgment on what exactly, but, like, he does not at all seem put off by by that, by the, the fact that they are all working together. He does comment on the fact that, like, actresses are seen as whores in his time. I, I like that he did. Yeah. Like, I think that, you know, I, I think it's great that Megan uh, was like, let's cast uh, this little Christmas play, uh, you know, with inclusive casting. Like, that's cool. Way to go, Megan. Um, but I also do sort of wish that he had commented on it a little bit there was an opportunity there to be like things have changed and this is good and times have changed yeah anything goes style um and yeah i i think they they could have done that but obviously like they're not really into grappling with any social issues because this is a hallmark movie so they weren't going to do that but i'm glad that they that they did the casting that way yeah i was pleasantly surprised by hallmark's diverse casting choices especially like compared to the other movies that we've seen yeah um also you know there is a class element right like especially at the beginning his one of his servants is like we're having our annual party in the kitchen if you want to stop by and it's like uh, and he's like no but enjoy yourselves and it's like oh he's a nice rich person who lets his servants have a party in the kitchen yeah yeah there's a lot of like wow he's a good he's one of the good ones yeah um like rosie is supposed to be like who is his maid is like oh he's he's great and her whole family her whole family of descendants like thinks that he's amazing because he he employed her he employed her and didn't like actively abuse her yeah i don't know it just feels like a very low standard and like trying to they were working really really hard to make him like a good rich person at one point he says to rosie you're anything but just a maid yeah it's like no she's a maid like you employ her like there's a class difference here we can acknowledge it and it's very like um it's the precursor to uh we're all family here in this office right yeah um, yeah, it's, it's... Which it's, we all know is very toxic. Right. Um, so, yeah, he seems nice, but it seems like they're like, he's nice, so you can ignore any sort of class element. All right, which brings us to... Is it the, the best, best of times or, or the worst, worst of times? So, this is where we discuss if you should watch it and give it a time from noon to midnight on our patented doomsday clock. Not patented. Um, I mean, trademarked. No. No. <laughs> uh, but, but it does... Proprietary? I don't know. What's the That's definition not, of proprietary? I don't know. I'm not an IP lawyer. All right, fair enough. <laughs> Do you have a housing law question? Because <laughs> uh, I probably can't answer that either. All right, cool. Yeah, I mean, if you're looking for some time puns, 
This movie is chock full of love. Yeah, if you like really need something to watch while you're home uh, during this pandemic and like you've run out of every other good thing to watch (laughs) and you just need something that's like will make your brain melt a little bit like, yeah, this is for you. Yeah, they'll kiss at the end. Yeah, that's I mean, it gives you what you want. Like it hits all it, it hits all the beats. Yeah. Um some great opening time puns I'm just gonna throw out there, even though technically that I, that's not what we're doing. Um Yeah, go for it. Why not? <laughs> Fuck it. He says you're uh, at the beginning, Eliza's like, You're always living for the future. And then she's like, I'll be at my parents if you have the time. <laughs> anyway, so that's just a sampling of the witty, back and forth, snappy dialogue that you will get. Um, but it will be said very slowly because... Oh, yeah. We never mentioned this, but like all Hallmark and Lifetime movies, but especially Hallmark movies, are at a pace that is slower than any human's talk that I've ever heard in real life. Um, and I really love that about them. Um so you can, like, really go do a bunch of stuff, and they will not have finished a sentence. Yeah, I mean, so it's it's definitely, it definitely is Christmas, definitely is love, he's very handsome. That definitely me- a, a time travel. Yeah, his face got me through a lot of the movie. Mm-hmm, for sure. Um, if you're an actor, you might appreciate the sad subplot. I mean, you might be a little depressed by it. Like, that, actually, I would say that's a reason to avoid it, but... Um, but the... Extras in the party scene are Oh, great. worth watching, for sure. Um, yeah, Helena, what is your rating? I don't know, like five? Wow. That's higher than, like, a lot of I know, but it's, it, what I'm saying is, like, for what it is, it really does it. So, like, yeah, if that's what you want, you should watch it. All right. It's not, like, a good movie, but you, if you want what it's offering, you should go for it. Okay. I'm going to say... Like a three? Oh, okay. Yeah. I I feel like my... What, you know, like you are... You maybe are easier to please with the beats of a romantic comedy than Yeah, I, so. I love the form. I, so. I really, like... You can just get me with form, honestly. I, yeah, I would prefer more comedy in my romantic comedy. Fair enough. Than this gives me. Um, well, it, that's the problem is that there are like puns and like witticisms, but it happens at such a slow pace <laughs> that it's not funny. Yeah. I need Gilmore Girl speed. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, like I'd rather watch as problematic as it was, as much as it was much more problematic than this movie. I'd rather watch Ghost of Girlfriend's Past. Really? Yeah. I don't know. I I didn't like Ghost of Girlfriend's Past. That's fair. Yeah. We are doing another great Christmas movie. I mean, I don't know if it's great, actually. I haven't seen it, but I've heard great things. Um, what movie are we doing? Next time. <laughs> uh, the Night Before Christmas. Oh, Maybe. yeah. I'm so excited. K-N-I-G-H-T. Yeah. Um, and we will have, most likely, a special guest. So oh, baby. Tuned. Wait till you find out who the guest is. Yeah. You'll all pee yourself. I'm excited for you all to pee yourselves. Um, anyway... We'll be back in no time at all. It's Lily, it's Lily, Lily is here. It's Lily, it's Lily, bye Lily. You gonna close the door?